0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the single tracks podcast. My name is Jeff. And today Aaron and I are going to be talking about responsible trail riding, specifically talking about mountain biking since this is a mountain bike podcast. So before we get started, I want to note that the stuff we're going to talk about, none of this stuff is like hard and fast rules. These are all sort of guidelines. It's a very subjective thing when you talk about riding responsibly. There's no, I mean, there is a right and wrong, but The line is kind of gray a lot of times. So keep that in mind when you're listening and getting upset with us, perhaps (laughs) for, for saying something you don't agree with. But again, this is this, a lot of this is gray area. So first thing I want to talk about is protecting trails and being responsible about the way we ride trails and how that might impact the trails and the environment. So one of the things that comes to mind for a lot of people is the idea of riding wet trails. So, Aaron, what are your thoughts about riding wet trails?
1: Well, it depends. Again, like uh, like you were kind of saying, these aren't hard and fast rules. But it, the easiest way is if it's a trail system and they close when it rains. And you, if you can check the trail status, a lot of times they put that on their, the trail's website or on their Facebook page or something like that or even there's a number like for blankets creek here one of the really popular trail systems you can call and figure out if the the trails are open so that's the easiest way if the trail system itself is closed but you know there's uh if you're riding like in a forest or something like that there you know state park there will be open when it rains so that's just a situation where you want to use your best judgment if you're leaving really big ruts in the trail, then, well, for one, it's probably not going to be that fun to ride because riding when it's really soft is going to suck a lot of your energy and just make for a very long, probably not that enjoyable of a day. And you're also going to tear up the trail. So if you're leaving really big ruts, then, you know, that should be a clue that you probably shouldn't be out on the trail again, you know, use your best judgment. And again, it's going to vary by your geography and to a certain degree your climate, you know if you live in Phoenix and it's pouring rain, chances are it's a terrible idea to go ride like you're just you're gonna tear the trail up you know really really badly, and it's not gonna be good for your bike, but you know here on the east coast, it's like you know especially riding in the summer you there's a high degree of uh possibility that you're going to get rained on while you're riding so so yeah, again, just just use common sense. I mean, if it's been pouring for a week, then you know maybe maybe that's not the time to go ride.
0: Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you know the the name of the game really is just don't damage the trails. So if you are riding and you look behind and you're like, shoot, I'm damaging the trail, then you should stop. But just because the trail's wet doesn't mean you can't ride it. You know, a lot of times if it's rocky. It doesn't make a difference at all if you're riding over rocks or sand or different surfaces. So just check and use your judgment. If it looks like you're tearing something up, then you're tearing it up. (laughs) Don't do that. This is not cool. All right. What about skidding? People like to argue about this online all the time, especially when we watch a video and we see guys skidding and, you know, roosting and doing all that stuff to the trail.
1: Skidding a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think we all have to admit that skidding is fun, okay. first and foremost. I mean, I know I used to, uh, used to kind of get in trouble because I would, you know, lock up the rear brake on my, on my, uh, Schwinn Stingray back in the day and <laughs> burn through rear tires because, you know, I wanted to lay some fat skids for the homies. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to do, but it really tears the trail up, uh, really fast. And there is a difference between, skidding and drifting skidding is like locking up your rear brake and spraying a bunch of dirt everywhere whereas drifting is you're just going so damn fast that you know your wheels are breaking traction so a lot of those videos if you see them online watch the uh, pay attention to the rider's hands and see if they're squeezing their brakes or not because if they are then they're cheating but if if a true like drift is just pure speed and muscling it around the corner. But in any case, it's, uh, you know, it's really bad for the trail. So unless you're shooting a video and you're going to go and repair the trail afterwards, don't skid through stuff. And it's, uh, well, it may be fun. It's, it's probably not the fastest way through a corner either. So instead of skidding, why don't you focus on, you know, making it around the turn as fast as you can without, you know, you know, break early, you know, proper b- body position, things like that. Like, you know, develop your skills instead of locking up the rear wheel.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And it's just like the the previous one we were talking about, you know, again, if you see stuff flying around like dirt and rocks, then you're damaging the trail because if everybody does that, there's not going to be any trail left. It's just going to be a big rut. So, you know, do your best to keep the dirt and rocks on the trail. All right. Pack it in, pack it out. That's uh, something that we've heard hikers talk about. It. Everybody, everybody should know that rule. But yeah, Aaron, talk a little bit about packing your stuff out.
1: Yeah, pick up your shit. Like if you if you carried it into the woods, take it out with you. You know, especially if it's a a wrapper. I mean, you carried the whole bar, including the wrapper, into the woods. You know, you ate the bar. <laughs> the wrapper weighs next to nothing, and I don't understand people who go into the woods and. Throw shit on the ground, drives yeah. me crazy. And I would say also, if you if you're stopped somewhere, you know, and you see trash around you that's not yours, pick that up too. You know, do the do do a little extra. Yes, that's
0: exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say in defense of you know the trash that's out in the woods. I always just assume like, okay, somebody stuffed it in their pocket and it fell out and they didn't notice. Because I mean, you have to be dumb to just like open up your Cliff Bar take a bite and just, like, toss the wrapper over your shoulder. Like, I I can't imagine anybody doing that, but I guess it it is possible.
1: Yeah, I actually see that a lot in race situations, unfortunately, which is just maddening because the people that I see doing it are not in contention for the win, you know? Otherwise, I wouldn't be seeing them. (laughs) So, yeah, I actually uh, chastised someone at ORAM for throwing some trash on the ground. Did (laughs) you yell out, litter bug? And no, I didn't. I said, you know, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he was like, oh, and I was like, no, pick that up. So yeah, <laughs> um, mid race. I was just, yeah. Like, like I said, I mean, is how much does a wrapper weigh? Like a couple grams. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Give a hoot. Don't pollute.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean,
0: it is, I'm the same way too. I, if I see trash, I'm going to pick it up too. And we can all do that and we'll be better off for it. All right. So this is a controversial one. A lot of people recommend not riding around puddles. You're supposed to ride right through them because the puddles are going to get bigger. Do you ride around puddles, Aaron, or do you ride right through them?
1: Bro, there's a third option there, and mm. it's huck it. You just bunny hop <laughs> it. I, honestly, I do try it. If I can, if I can hop over the puddle, then I will and just avoid it altogether. I do try to ride through the middle of puddles, but again, there are instances where maybe the puddle is huge. You don't know how deep it is, and uh, it may not be the safest route to go blasting right through the middle of it. So again, use your common sense. If your speeds are are low, and uh, you know you can kind of gauge how deep the puddle is, maybe from previous puddles on the trail, then ride through the middle of it because you can see, I mean, it's, it's very obvious when, if you stop and look at a puddle on a trail that's been there for a while and you can just see how it's gotten wider and wider and wider and wider, and wider in that one spot around the puddle. So, yeah, but there are instances where you you don't know what you're getting into. I was actually up in West Virginia last week and, you know, thought I'd blast right through the middle of this puddle and it turned out to be like, about wow, eight or ten inches deep so I was lucky I didn't get bucked off the bike because it brought me to a stop like pretty quickly so again it's just a situation where if you are comfortable riding through the middle of it then that's what you should do because while it will damage the trail it's uh it's keeping the the damage to a smaller area I guess
0: yeah well I have my own theory about riding through puddles And honestly, I usually ride around them or beside them. And my theory is if you spread it out, it's going to be less deep. It gives it more surface area to, to evaporate. And also if you ride it around it enough, it's eventually going to drain out, you know, you're going to hit the side of the trail or, you know, wherever the grade is and it'll eventually drain out. So who knows, who knows what's right or wrong there. I guess we're all going to keep doing our own thing and nothing is really going to get accomplished. <laughs> All right, so what about trees or other obstacles in the trail? Is riding around a tree is that a is that a faux pas on the trail?
1: Again, it's it's like it depends on the size of the tree, right? Like if you can bunny hop over the tree, then do that, you know, but in situations where it's maybe a really large tree or there's still a lot of branches on the tree, then that that riding or making your way through it may just not be an option. It may not be a safe option. It may not be possible at all. So, you know, your, your only recourse at that point may be to ride around it, to go up either up on the hillside around it or down below it. So, again, you know, if you can, you know, make your way over it safely, then do it that way. And if I'm stopped because of a tree across the trail, I'll try to move whatever i can you know if there's limbs that are laying around i'll try to throw those off to the side of the trail or if you're riding with a big group like see if you can move the whole tree i mean I think you'd be pretty surprised at you know what a what a few people working together can do to to they can move some pretty big stuff off the trail so you mean you're stopped anyway why not do a little little trail work while you're there yeah absolutely i think
0: that's one thing that people are maybe hesitant to do thinking that you know maybe they're gonna get in trouble, or they're just not sure if they or they don't feel empowered enough to do it. But yeah, if there's stuff that's in the way that's not supposed to be there, then yeah, by all means, take a second and try to get it out of the way. And this too, you know, it reminds me of like the fact that human nature is to go around obstacles. So you'll see stuff like there'll be just a stick in the trail and it's like, say it's like halfway across the trail. You'll notice the trail will start widening because everybody's going around it. Even if it's a small one that you can easily just hop over or somebody could just stop and like move the thing. But you'd be surprised, you know, after days and days you'll see the trail like start to grow and that's, that's just human nature. So if you can, try to just go right over stuff and don't widen the trail just because you're being lazy or whatever.
1: Right. That's why we're on mountain bikes, right? So why you exactly. got suspension and big tires. Exactly.
0: So this leads into the next one, the idea of dumbing down the trail. So a lot of times new riders especially will ride a trail and they'll see something like a rock or a, a tree and think that they just need to move it. What do you think about that, Aaron?
1: Uh, drives me batshit crazy. Yeah, don't don't move stuff on the trail just because you can't ride it. That just drives me crazy. Like walk it until you're comfortable riding it. You know that's going to help you become a better rider, and you're not going to be changing the trail for other riders. Like if you're on a trail somewhere and you're finding yourself needing to move a lot of the features maybe you need to find an easier trail for a little while and you know wait till your your skills are better and then you can tackle some more of the technical elements but yeah if you're moving rocks and stuff out of the way or piling rocks up to make things easier like don't that's that's a dick move
0: yeah well how do you know though how do you distinguish between sort of a maintenance issue and a more of like a rideability issue
1: well, it's like you said uh, about the trees. You know, it's like if you shouldn't move stuff that's supposed to be there, right? So, roots and rocks—they're the, supposed to be there, right? They're they're that's on the their trail. Head. Yeah, that, that's where they that's where they've been doing their thing. So, leave them alone. But I mean, if it's a you know, again, if it's like a branch or something like that that's across the trail that's obviously fallen out of a tree and it's not a feature of the trail, then then that's a different story. You know, that's okay to move that. If it's something that's going to like a big stick in the middle of the trail on a descent, maybe, you know, could cause someone to crash or, you know, rip their derailleur off or whatever. Like that's a, that's okay. That's a courteous thing to do to move that. But in terms of modifying the stuff on the trail itself, like the features and that's, that's a no, no right on. All right. What about cutting switchbacks?
0: So, For those who aren't familiar, you know, switchback is, if you're going up or down a hill, it's a really sharp turn. Usually, you know, almost 180 degrees to switch you back to go in the other direction. And a lot of times riders will just go kind of straight down the hill and cut across the switchback rather than making the 180. Basically making like two right turns, I guess. So what's what's the damage? What's the potential damage that can be done from doing that?
1: Well, you... You create a, a, a second trail, essentially. And since you're cutting out the switchback, switchback is like a, you know, a grade reversal. Uh, I guess they call that. When you start cutting them, you're cutting a steeper trail. So a steeper trail is going to erode more quickly. And I mean, that's why they have switchbacks in the first place. I mean, like if, if you could do a fall line trail, which is, you know, just the straightest, steepest way up the mountain that would be the fastest way up the mountain but it's also the least sustainable which is why you don't see very many trails like that which is why people build switchbacks on trails <laughs> which is is exactly because of the thing that you're doing by blowing the switchbacks and creating your own trail like that's the reason switchbacks are in the first place so that that's another one that really drives me crazy and i don't, i just don't i don't understand how you you know you spend all this time and money on your bike on your gear riding getting to the trail and then you get out there and you're like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take like the easier way down around (laughs) this or the straighter way down so you put in all that work and then you're just you're shortchanging yourself when you're actually out there on the trail it seems counterintuitive to me yeah
0: well along the same lines of cutting switchbacks is blazing your own trail so this happens from time to time people decide they want to find a shortcut between two trails or they want to, you know, go bring a trail to a interesting feature that's in the woods. Why shouldn't people
1: build their own trails? Well, probably because you don't have permission, I would say. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you, if you want to get into trail building, then volunteer, there's ways to do it, but don't take it upon yourself to, to start building trails on land that isn't yours, especially because that's, That could really lead to some some conflicts, you know. I mean, maybe you think, oh, I'm just adding this little trail, just it's going to connect to this other thing. But, you know, maybe whoever owns the land, they have, you know, very specific requirements and they, you know, all these things have been negotiated with the trail builders and they're like, okay, this is exactly what we're going to use this property for and here's where the trail is going to go. And then when you come in and start making up your own stuff, you could really... You could really ruin it for all the other riders, I would say.
0: Yeah, and along those lines, I think a lot of people maybe they start out thinking I'm gonna, you know, blaze this trail because it's gonna be more fun or it's gonna be quicker or whatever. But what you end up doing is actually making the trail system a whole lot less fun for everybody else because now people are riding and like every intersection, they're wondering like which way am I supposed to go? You know, we've seen this happen. It happens the most with unofficial trail systems, where again you don't have sort of a land manager or trail builder that's in charge of keeping maintaining the trail system. And so what you end up with is like a spider web, or you know even worse, a grid of trails where you really can't get any flow in because you know you ride like a hundred yards and then you you have to look three ways to decide which way you're going to go. And people get lost and it's just, it just makes it not fun. If you, if you know a trail system like this, you know what I'm talking about that you go out to these places and it's just like, ah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. And yeah, you know, I'm just having to make too many decisions. So yeah, cool it with the trail building and the shortcuts. Yellow river. Yes. That's, that's the one that comes to mind for me as well here in Atlanta. So. We talked about protecting the trail and respecting the trail. What about protecting other trail users? Recently, we've, we've heard some things in the news about conflicts or potential conflicts between hikers and bikers. And there's always the horseback riders share a lot of the trails and even motorized users, ATV and motorcycle people use the same trails with us. So Aaron, what are some of your tips for interacting with and respecting other trail users?
1: Well, always ride in control. I think that's, that's important for not only protecting other trail users, but for yourself. You know, ride, ride within your means is always a good way to stay safe. Cyclists are supposed to yield to essentially all other trail users. Um, so you're supposed to yield to hikers. You're supposed to yield to equestrians. And it's just good to be courteous, you know, especially with, with equestrians. I like to give them plenty of room. You can kind of tell when you're getting close to a horse because there will be fresher and fresher horse shit on the trail, which is another issue. But you know, if you're out there riding where horses are allowed to ride, that's just something you're gonna have to deal with. So you want to you want to come to a controlled stop. You know, you don't want to if you're noticing fresh horse poop on the ground. That means the horse is close. So you know, don't keep pinning it right until you're right up on a group of riders. You know, start you know, just be aware of your surroundings and slow down and when you see when you can see the horses, come to a controlled stop and engage in a conversation with the the riders. And I, I always like to you know, be very friendly, be very courteous, but also ask them how they want you to handle the situation. Because I've I've been around people who are like, oh yeah, just like come on through and you can be, you know, right next to the horses and they don't care at all. But in other situations you know, they're like, oh yeah, my, my horse doesn't like bikes, and then they need to like trot up into the woods or down off the trail or something, so it's safe to safe for you to get by. So, don't assume all horses are the same, because uh, they're not. They'll all react differently. So just just uh, you know, ask for guidance. Like, how do you how do you want me to handle this situation? I think is is the best for everyone. And going that route has really been beneficial. I haven't really had any or many, I should say, uh, definitely had a couple, but haven't had many negative interactions with equestrians or other, other trail users, you know, with hikers, I think the biggest thing with hikers is they get, they get startled by you because to them it looks like you're just out of control like if, uh, during a descent. I'm assuming, you know, if you come flying around the corner yet, yeah, they think you're like just this like maniac speed demon flying down the hill where to you, you're just out for a trail ride and, you know, you're totally in control again. So I like to, in those situations again, slow way, 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 way down, like to a walking speed or below and just give a friendly hello. You know, it's a simple, easy thing to do and, and can help smooth, you know, any, uh, maybe any hard feelings a hiker may have by being startled just just a simple like hey hey, how are you doing enjoy your day hope you're having a good hike (laughs) that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah riding in control i mean that's the whole name of the game in my opinion and As mountain bikers, we, I mean, we do ride in control. If we didn't, dude, we'd have really short rides because you (laughs) never know. I mean, you never know what's coming up around a turn. Even if you've ridden a trail a thousand times, there could be a tree that fell down yesterday or there could be a guy standing there playing Pokemon Go. Like (laughs) you don't know what's coming up. So you, I mean, by nature, we are in control, but. Just remember that and don't get overconfident. I think that is what happens sometimes is people, you know, they got their local trail and they've run it a thousand times and they're just in the zone or or maybe they're going for a new PR. But just remember, like conditions change all the time and people walk around like the just because there's never been a guy standing at that rock that you like to huck off of. Like there could be a guy standing at that rock today, you know, so always be in control other thing I was going to say about that is, remember people with dogs could be on trails too. So there could be a dog with a leash. I mean, just if if you like start to think about all the things that could be on the trail, you could think about it all day and there would be a million things that would come to mind. So just be in control and always assume like there could be something around there. How am I going to stop if there is? One of the other things that uh, EMBA in particular talks about On respecting other users is to avoid spooking wildlife. And this is something that, you know, I mean, it's hard to avoid because animals, they don't know you're coming. (laughs) And you're a lot of times you're really fast, but some specific examples are, you know, and that's unavoidable. So there's not a whole lot you can do about that, but specific examples Imba gives and i was very interested to know this you shouldn't run cattle running cattle apparently is a thing so i guess that's where you go and you like try to rile them up and act like you're herding them or something and yeah. they all start running and there's a stampede so <laughs> i guess that's what they're talking about that's one of the things like don't intentionally yeah. scare wildlife
1: i think that's more what it what it's about because like you said just by virtue of you being in the woods, you're, you're going to scare some wildlife. Some little critter is going to run off because you happen to be near them. So yeah, just, I think the intention is what, what, uh, they're mostly referring to. So don't chase animals. Don't be a dick.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I, it's unavoidable and I feel bad every time I think that I like ran over a frog or something, (laughs) but like, again, it's, it's unintentional. Don't go out of your way to smash frogs. (laughs) just, you know, if you see them, try to avoid them, but they're not always one. One jumped into my spokes last night. I think he made it through. (laughs) I didn't see any like frog guts, but I still winced like, Oh, poor guy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. And the last thing. So we're protecting the trails. We're protecting other people. How about protecting yourself? How can you protect yourself out on the trail? And, And how does that impact others when you do? Well, if you're
1: like our Michael Paul, you can ride strapped. But I think that's a terrible idea. But <laughs> that's a whole other thing. By strapped, you mean carrying a firearm. Yes, that's what I meant for all those that aren't uh, hip to the lingo, as the cool kids say. Right. Just kidding, cool kids don't say that. You need to be self sufficient. So, you know, you always need your basic repair items, which I would say a minimum is a spare tube, some sort of method for inflation, whether that's CO2 or a pump and uh, a multi-tool. So that's kind of the three things to never leave home without. But then, depending on what kind of ride you're going on, whether it's a backcountry ride or a ride at your local trail system, you can tailor what you'll need. But for longer rides, there's things like a spare derailleur hanger for your, for your particular bike is always a good thing to carry. That's a good thing to have with you, always. I mean, you can even maybe you know, zip tie it to part of your frame somewhere. So it's always there with that bike. So you don't ever forget it because breaking a derailleur hanger in the middle of nowhere and having to push your bike out of the woods really sucks. I can tell you from personal experience, a patch kit is a good thing to have, especially, you know, if you're, if you're going into the back country, because, uh, you know, I've definitely gotten a flat before, and then flatted the tube again. So, what's the the Boy Scout saying? Two is one, and one is none. Terms. Oh, of? I haven't heard that one, but I like it. Yeah, so it's like if you're carrying something, you need two sources of it, right? So, like inflation, you can carry CO two and a pump. That's what I like to do for longer rides. I'll carry a couple CO two cartridges as well as a pump in case I get two flats. I have some way to to fix it. You know, other things, shifter cables, water purification is a really good one to have. Some iodine or chlorine tablets like Jeff and I talked about um in one of our recent podcasts about uh, you know, running out of water on the trail and right. having to get rescued. So Yeah. Just be self sufficient. So carry what you need to get you and your bike through a day in the woods. So that and that also I mean, on top of the tools and stuff, of course you need to be sure to bring enough water and food as well. So that kind of goes without saying, but
0: yeah, well, and protecting yourself is really, again, it comes back to respecting others. You know, I mean, if you're, you don't want to be the guy that's bumming tubes off of people on every ride and you don't want to, you don't want to be the guy who's like out of water and somebody has to come rescue you. a la me. It's happened, (laughs) but yeah, not proud of it. And Same thing for like getting injured too, you know? I mean, if you can, or if you, if you think you need it, then you should by all means wear protection on the trail, like, you know, knee pads and elbow pads and all that kind of stuff. So that again, you're not relying on 911 or somebody to come rescue you out in the woods, that you're, that you are self sufficient. So whether that's injury or mechanical breakdown or nutrition, whatever it is you know, try to be prepared so that others don't have to be prepared for you.
1: Right. Cause there may be situations where you can't reach others and they can't reach you. You know, if you hurt yourself up in like I was, again, I was up at snowshoe and riding in the backcountry up there and I didn't have cell reception for like an hour driving into snowshoe and nobody does. Apparently I think maybe if you have AT&T at the top of a mountain, you might possibly get a little tiny bit of a signal but nobody else does. So, you know, I was I was out there riding by myself, but I made sure to know let people know where I was and what time to expect me back to check in because, you know, it's uh it's serious business if you get hurt out there. Yeah. And in a lot of places search and rescue
0: costs are paid by the person who's being rescued. Mm-hmm. So, keep that in mind if you you know, if you're relying on that, hopefully you got a big wallet. <laughs> you're like, Hey, I don't need to be prepared. Cause I'll just pay for the rescue. So
1: yeah. Backcountry helicopter rides are not cheap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the thing too, I mean, to remember is somebody goes missing, for example, too. And there's like a search party, you know, then think about all the people that have to go out and look for you. And a lot of times with these search parties, people searching end up getting injured. So Again, yeah, it's all about just being courteous and responsible and thinking about not just yourself but other people too. Cool. This has been a very practical discussion. <laughs> Indeed. If you want to learn more about ways to be prepared on the trail, be sure to search single tracks where We've got articles about things like what to pack in your camelback and how to purify water on the trail. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Talk to you again next week. Peace.